Are you all ready for the word this morning? Yeah. All right. So these last few weeks I've been talking about a very specific topic, how you navigate rough waters. And that was my intent to continue talking about this week. And then Tuesday night happened and it kind of uh, went a different direction. So today I'm gonna, uh, my, my message is going to really flow out of what the Lord put on my heart on Tuesday night during prayer. Um, <clears throat> but before I, before I jump into that, I want to just share a recap of what we have been talking about. So when we're navigating rough waters, we know that community is cru- crucial. It's super important. Studying the Word and knowing God's Word is so important. And when we're going through tough times, the ability for us to take a step back and still praise God. Those are the things that we've talked about this last few weeks. This week, though, um, and I'm going to continue talking about this because there's some, some key things that I want to share, but the Lord just put it so strongly on my heart that I needed to talk about what I'm going to share today. Um, so on Tuesday night, we're praying. Prayer is going awesome. And all of a sudden, the Lord puts this image on my heart of someone dipping their toe in the water. So how, what, what do you do when you're dipping your toe in the water? You're, you're trying to get a feel for the temperature of the water, right? You dip your toe in like, ooh, is it, is it cold? Is it not? My parents have a, a pool they set up in the summer, um, and it's not heated. So you go into it in May and June, it's very cold. Usually my kids, you have to either jump in or you don't get in because it's so cold. Um, and I want to tell a story similar to that, but from my childhood. So when I was growing up, um, our family would always vacation to northern Wisconsin. My parents would rent a cabin in uh, the small town of Lando Lakes, Wisconsin. Not, they don't make all the butter there, but that's the title of the name. It's literally right on the border of Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula. In fact, half the town is in Michigan, half the town is in Wisconsin. Uh, we would always go to this same resort. It was called Deerwood Resort. It was these cabins that were built in the 50s and the 60s and looked like they had been built in the 50s and the 60s, but it was our lake home summer vacation we would go for a week or two and the way that the resort was structured if you can imagine it you'd pull in and you could either go right or left and then there were cabins that were kind of up on this hill and our favorite activity to do when we were at the cabin was to swim as a family we would always go end of june over the fourth of july that was the time of the year that we would always venture up there Uh, if you're ever up there Try to take in the fireworks. It's arguably the best fireworks show that, that exists. But um, that's not what I want to tell the story about. So we would, there was a cabin that was on the highest hill on the property. And when they had built this, they had built earthen steps to get up to the cabin. So you can imagine it, you know, dirt ground with some, you know, like logs to signify each step. And when we were kids, if my parents finally said, okay, let's go swimming, which you can imagine, there was five of us in my family. Can we go? Can we go? My, finally, I'm sure my parents were like, just go, fine. We would grab our towel and we would run down these stairs to the beach. And this lake was really clean, horrible for fishing, horrible. That's a whole nother story, but it was super clean, so it was great to swim in. And you'd get down to the beach area and there was this long white pier that had red, like red legs. And as a kid, you had one, or, one of two options. You either started to like walk into the water in the shallow area as it's kind of going out, 
and gradually get wet. Or, like most of us did, you would run all the way down the, the pier and jump off the end, fully immersing yourself in the water. <clears throat> there was always one of us, uh, four sisters, whether it be me or one of my sisters, that would take the uh, slow approach. They would meander into the water, take their time. Oh, it's so cold, I can't do this. And the lake was probably cold. It was probably only about 70 degrees that time of the year, maybe even cooler than that. Um, and my parents would have this saying. Maybe you've heard it. I don't know where they came up for, came, brought it up. We say it now with our kids, but they'd say, one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. And that was always the initiation for whoever was waiting to get wet. So as I'm, I'm, I promise there's a purpose to this story. Um, as I'm praying on Tuesday, the Lord shows me somebody dipping their toe in the water, and then he brings that memory back to my mind. And I just started asking him, like, what, what, what are you trying to tell? Like, what, what's going on in here? And, and what he said is, there's so many of us, not just in this church, but in, in Christianity, that are just dipping their toe in. They're just dipping their toe in. They don't want to fully immerse themselves in their faith. They're afraid of if they do that, what does that mean? And he, he very distinctly told me, he said, we all need to jump in. Oftentimes, the person that, and when we'd be at the cabin, that took the casual approach, the slow approach, would get about waist deep. And you know what happens when you're in cold water and you get past your waist? It starts to feel real cold. And then they back out and go, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then they try again, you know. Oftentimes they wouldn't even get wet or they wouldn't, they wouldn't swim with us. They'd say, oh, I'm going to sit out this time or I'm not going to go because they, they were afraid of what that cold would feel like. So today I want to talk to you about what it means to go all in with Christ. What it means to fully immerse yourself with Christ because in the day and age we're living in, it's critical it's critical to our success to not just be casual Christians. To not just look at our faith as something we do for two hours on a Sunday, but to look at it as it's the foundation of who we are as a person. And everywhere we go, that goes with me. So, I want to take this a little bit deeper. So, why do you typically, and feel free to shout out some answers, why do you typically start a relationship with someone? Maybe it's a friendship, a dating relationship. Why do you start, why do you start that relationship? Do you have any ideas? Lonely. Lonely. Good. Want to get to know them. That's exactly. You start a relationship with someone because you want to get to know them deeper, right? I remember when Sheree and I started dating. I was 18 at the time. Seems like an eternity ago, but 18 at the time, and... Um, I had known Cherie most of my life. Her and our uh, Anne, who's uh, children's director here, was our children's pastor growing up at our church. So I knew their family, I knew her brothers, but I never really knew Cherie. She knew my sisters, it was kind of that. And then her brother got married and I was in the wedding and I was like, oh, I want to get to know Cherie. <laughs> so I casually asked her out on a date and we went on a date and I think I asked 
I asked her via text message. This was back before all the cool cell phones, you know. Via text message, so are we dating now? I know, I was immature at the time. Um, because I wanted to get to know her. And then once we started dating, I couldn't spend enough time with her. Every moment that I could, I was with her. I worked at the Hudson Target, and I'd get done at 7 o'clock, and I'd go and hang out for her, even if it was for an hour or two, just because I wanted to spend time with her, because I wanted to get to know her better. I wanted to get her to know what her likes and dislikes were. I wanted to know what made her happy and what made her sad, because that was what I was pursuing. That relationship we dated for about two years turned into an engagement, and now we're planning a wedding. And all of the things that go with planning a wedding, right, Kim and Heidi? All of the things, all the decisions, all of the moments that you have to do when you're planning a wedding. And then we get married. Shree and I dated, and then we were engaged for a total of three years. We get married. We start, uh, we, our first apartment is in Roberts, Wisconsin. Neither of I, we didn't live in Roberts, but that was where we decided to live because we could find an apartment that allowed dogs. So we have a dog. And I'll never forget this moment. <clears throat> We move into our place, we're, we're getting all of our stuff situated, and it's time to hang pictures. This is our first argument in our marriage. So we start to hang pictures, and I will tell you, at this time in my life, I'm 21, I'm not very handy. I'm not. <laughs> hadn't really used a level before in my life. So I have the mentality of, I'm going to hang this picture, and it's going to be just good enough, Right? So here I am, I've got this picture, I hang it, I'm really proud of myself, and Shri looks at it, she goes, it's crooked. And I'm like, what do you mean it's crooked? And she's like, it's crooked. See, look, it's crooked. She's like, don't you have a level? I'm like, no. So I ran to the store and got a level, and I come back, and I put it on there, and sure enough, it's crooked. And then every other picture that I had hung was crooked. So you can imagine, my pride was just shot down at that moment. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is terrible. Now I just put all these holes in these walls in this apartment that we're renting that I'm going to have to fill before we move out of this apartment. And it was all my fault. Of course, I didn't want to admit that. Why would I do that? I'm 21. I'm newly married. I'm not going to do that. So we start this argument of, well, that's fine. Why do I have to move them? They can be crooked, right? <laughs> it wasn't. I fixed them all. Um, and you know what I learned in that moment is that Shree cares about details. I never knew that not living with her before we were married. I knew she was detail-oriented, but I didn't know that those types of details mattered to her. Now, when I hang pictures, oh, I've got all the tools. I got the stud finder, the level. I make sure it's perfect. Is this where you want it? Yes, good. We avoid all arguments. It's great. But I had to learn that and learn that the hard way. But you know what? That's what happens in a relationship. It takes time to understand the other person. But if you're not putting in the time to understand the other person or asking the right questions, it doesn't matter, right? Because you might think, oh, this is great. But if you're not actually taking the time to get to know that person, how do you? They were standing there, waiting there. And I had this thought as I was preparing for today. Imagine for those of you that are married, imagine living in the same house as your spouse, being with them all day, and only communicating with them for two hours out of the week. 
that'd be really weird, right? You'd walk past them all day, you'd see them all day, and you wouldn't say a word to them. Until a set time during the week, they're like, hey, let's talk. Your relationship would suck. It probably wouldn't last very long, right? Because that's not how we have relationships. And when we come to know Christ, we start a relationship with Him. Right? We don't live in the old way. We start a relationship with Him. And in order for that relationship to grow, we have to spend time with Him. We have to understand Him. We have to understand what He likes, what He wants us to do, how He wants us to move forward. So just like in that situation with the pictures, that maybe I was not humble enough at the time to admit I was wrong, it, had, it, it was necessary for me to grow and learn and know those things. And I could have just said, well, too bad, so sad, Cherie, I'm not changing it. No, I cared for Cherie. I wanted to make sure that she was happy and she liked that. And when it comes to our relationship with Christ, it's no different. Christ wants us to spend time with Him. He wants us to know Him better than we know anyone else. He wants us to prioritize Him, not prioritize everything else. I have four kids. If there's anybody who understands distractions, it's me, right? You have four kids. You get it, right? For those of you that have large families or have had kids or have had large families, you understand what distractions look like. You know that there's very few moments throughout the day that you can just sit back and go, oh, peace and quiet. And usually those moments you're like, I just want to go sleep. I'm just tired, right? It's hard. The distractions of this life are hard. Well, if you don't have kids, maybe it's your job. Your career is super demanding and it takes all of your time. Whatever it is, whatever that distraction is, the Lord wants us to know that He knows that those things exist. He knows that raising your children is important. He wouldn't have given them to you if He didn't think it was important. But what He does want is He wants your first attention. When you wake up in the morning, what do you grab first? And this is by no means to condemn anyone. I'm preaching to myself at the same time. But what do you grab first? Do you grab your word or do you grab your phone? Maybe if you're grabbing your phone, you are reading your word. That's possible. But what are you doing? Are you prioritizing Him? And again, I don't want this to sound condemning by any means. I'm very much preaching to myself. Because oftentimes when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I grab is my phone. I check who won the game last night. I check different things. What should I be doing? I should be setting aside that time. And I should say, Lord, what do you have for me today? Setting aside that time and not being distracted by the other things that can happen. This world is filled with distractions. So if we're willing to put in the time, the energy, the effort, and yes, it is effort, but in that effort, there's incredible rest. I would challenge you, if you actually, if you set aside that time where you got to know the Lord and you were really pursuing Him. And I mean really pursuing Him. 
how much more peaceful your life would be. How much more joy would be in your life. How much more restful you would feel. Because you're not trying to fit all the things into the puzzle. And sometimes, that might be as simple as, my kids are running around behind me, crazy. Trust me, been there. I'm just going to take five minutes, go into my bedroom, and just seek the Lord. It might just be five minutes. That's maybe where you have to start. But it's prioritizing Him. It's jumping in all the way. It's not just trying to casually, okay, I I think it's warmer. Ah, I I don't know. It's going, I'm jumping in. And you know what? When you jump in to a lake or into a pool when it's cold, what happens? You go, oh, right? A lot of times that's why people swallow water when they're jumping into really cool or cold uh, environments. Takes your breath away. And your instinct, your natural instinct in those moments, is to get out of the water as fast as you can. Anybody ever swam in Lake Superior? That's how it feels, right? Get out of the water as fast as you can. The beauty of it, though, is when you jump in with the Lord, that is not your reaction. Your reaction is to go deeper and deeper and deeper. So, tying back to that two hours of communication, and I, the, the two hours would be church on, on Sunday, um, could you imagine, could you imagine, for those of you that are married, um, only having two hours of communication with your spouse each week? That would be terrible. I can imagine right now my marriage would not exist very long. The difference between us and the Lord, though, is there's grace for those situations, right? He's standing there waiting for us to approach Him. He's standing there waiting for us to come to Him and say, Here I am. What do you have for me today? And sometimes it's just being silent, quiet. We have to take that initial step with the Lord. And many of us have. We've taken that step. We've asked the Lord to be the Lord of our life. That's awesome. That's great. But we can't stop there. Our role, our job in this life isn't just to make it to heaven. That's a benefit of knowing Jesus. Our job in this life is to create and have impact for Him while we're here. How can we impact and influence the people around us? How can we show them the love of Jesus? How can we draw them closer to the Father? And we do that by spending time with Him. You can't give something away that you don't already have. We can get born again, and that's awesome. I'm I'm so excited anytime somebody asks Jesus to be the Lord of their life. That means they get to spend eternity in heaven. Right? That's incredible. But we shouldn't just say, okay, good enough. Just like with the pictures. Okay, good enough. No. We should want more. We should yearn for more. We want to grow closer to Him. He desires for us to know Him better than anyone else. Jesus says, if you want to turn with me to Mark chapter 8, we're going to look at Mark 8, 34. Jesus says, and this is out of the New Living Translation. I'm going to read out of the Amplified as well. It says, 
Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. The Amplified says, And Jesus called to him the, th- uh, the throng with his disciples and said to them, If anyone intends to come after me, let him deny himself, and then in parentheses it says, Forget, ignore, disown, and lose sight of himself and his own interests, and take up his cross, and joining me, as a disciple and siding with my party, follow with me, continually cleaving steadfastly to me. So what does that mean? What does it mean to take up our cross? What does it mean to give of ourselves? It means that no matter what's happening around us, we aren't swayed by the world. It means that no matter what's in the news on a Sunday, whatever day of the week, we aren't swayed by that. It means that our foundation is established on the cornerstone, not on what's happening in the world. And honestly, what Jesus is saying is we need to separate ourselves from those things. We need to separate ourselves from the things in the world that, that cause us to hold back. We need to separate those things. We're playing with fire when we think we can have it both ways. We can't. And that's a hard truth, but we can't. Our time is too short. We're living in the last days. That's apparent. We don't have enough time to play with fire. He doesn't want us to be consumed by all the things in this world. And you know what? A lot of those things in this world are real things. We have to pay bills. We have to have a job. Those things consume our time. But how are you, even in those moments, setting aside your own desire and saying, Lord, whatever you have for me. You're going into a meeting at work. Maybe you're frustrated about something at work. Whatever it is, how are you setting that aside and saying, Lord, whatever you have, whatever you have, I'm here for it. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, and don't don't feel like you need to turn there. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We should look different. We should look different. People should see us and go, there's something different about that person. What's different about them? I want to know what's different. I want what they have. Because they're joyful all the time. Because the joy of the Lord is their strength. When tough situations come, they have peace. The peace that passes all understanding. We should look different. And that comes by spending time with the one that makes us different. God transforms us and renews us when we ask Him to be the Lord of our life. He does. The old is washed away. Everything is made new. Right? So what happens the next day and the next day and the next day? We need to be pursuing Him and drawing closer to Him. We were talking this week in our life group about leaving the old behind. And it's hard sometimes to leave the old behind. Because it's easier to hold on to those things and go, I'm new. 
but I like that. He wants us to jump fully into the new and pursue that. Again, that doesn't mean you can't, you shouldn't or don't have to have an Instagram account where you look at pictures and things like that. Those are all good things. There's nothing wrong with social media or, or a job or any of, there's nothing wrong with that. The difference is, is what is taking priority in your life? Is Jesus number one? Is he what you think about when you wake up right away in the morning? Or are you thinking about the meeting that you need to run at 9 a.m. and how stressed you are about it? Or are you saying, no, I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That comes with spending time with him. And when we go in, all in, on Christ, he reveals who he is to us. And honestly, once you have a taste of that, that's all you want, right? That's all you want. And oftentimes in our Christian life, we go from one moment where we're like, wow, God was so cool, to the next moment of, God, that was so cool. Well, what happened in between? I remember when I was a kid, I would go to summer camp every year. Love summer camp. If if your kids have never gone to summer camp, if you have kids that are of age, send them to summer camp. I loved it because God always met us at summer camp. It was just these incredible moments, incredible services where you left going, wow, that was great. And there was a high that was associated with that. You'd come back and you're like, wow, I'm ready to change the world. And then a week later, a week goes by, two weeks go by, a month goes by, and now that moment that you had is in the past. And what have you done to continue the momentum that God has given you? As adults, we do the same thing. We go from moment to moment to moment. Wow, that service was so good. Well, what happens the next morning when you wake up and you're making your cup of coffee? That service was great. Jesus is still there. We don't have to wait for those special moments in our walk with Christ to truly know Him. Those are great. I am not, I love good services. I love those moments. But growth comes in the still quiet moments in your lazy boy at 6 a.m. Right? Or 10 p.m. If you're a morning person or a night person, whatever it may be. That's when growth happens. That's when refinement happens. God can reveal himself to you in those, those special services, those special moments, but the growth comes in the continual motion of moving forward. I just started running again this week. Pray for me. Um, the first few days were really painful. You can ask Sheree. I think on Friday morning I was walking down our stairs and every step was like, ow, ow. Going downstairs is worse than going upstairs for some reason. Um, But I know that if I continue to run, eventually my muscles won't be as sore. I'll be able to run faster. My endurance will grow. And I could stop and go, wow, that really hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. Or I can continue to push, right? I I can continue to press. I can continue to push myself forward into knowing what God has for me, right? Matthew 3, 11 through 12 says, and this is uh, John the Baptist talking about Jesus, and he's describing him in a way, and I want to, uh, this is really important. I, I was studying, and I think this is really cool. 
So Matthew 3, 11 through 12, it says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Many of us have read this verse. I've talked about chaff. I didn't know what chaff was. I'm like, what is chaff? So I decided to, I decided to study this a little bit and understand what chaff is. So when you have grain, you have the seed inside the chaff. So the chaff is the exterior coating of the seed. So if you are a grain farmer, you have this winnowing fork. I was watching some videos on it. And you're basically throwing it up into the air. And what ends up happening is the grain seed inside the chaff is heavier. It separates, it falls to the ground, the chaff blows away. So often, oftentimes in that, in that process of removing the grain from the chaff, the, the chaff just gets scattered across the ground. And the grain is what they're after, right? Nobody wants the chaff. It gets used in certain materials, certain things, but it's really a waste product. You're after the grain, the, the seed, because that's what you use to make food. The chaff is just wasted, right? It blows away. But if you have the chaff on the grain seed and it never gets removed, you never get to the good part. You never get to the part that's needed. So what in your life is the chaff? What in your life is holding you back? What in your life is holding back from the good things that want to come into your life? And again, this is not in a condemning way. I think all of us have things that we're working through. But what is that? And are you willing to say, God, I'm going to give that to you and separate that so that way you can move forward? If you never remove the chaff, it hides the good seed within it. And chaff is meant as a protective coating on the outside. It's meant to protect the seed. But if you never get rid of it, you'll never be able to see what's inside. That's why he calls us to be different. Because he has good seed. He's planted good seed in our life and he wants us to experience the good seed to not be like the world, to not take on the cares, to not allow ourselves to go there. We all have things that we need to set aside that we're working through. He hasn't called us to be casual Christians. He hasn't. He's called us to live a life set apart. And it's really easy. It's really easy. He hasn't made it hard. It's easy for us to live a life set apart. Because when we are made new with him, we don't have to go back to the way things were. That's, he forgives us past, present, and future. But it's our choice how we do that. I want to share one last example before I start to close. Uh, how many of you have an iPhone? I have one. Most of us do, right? There's an app on your iPhone that tells you screen time. I don't know if you, got, you all get a screen time report each week. Sometimes it can be embarrassing. Sometimes you're like, yes, 
I did better than last week. It's crazy how much time we spend on our phone. Usually my screen time, don't judge me about this, it's about three and a half hours a day. I use it for work and, and different things like that, so that's where a lot of that comes from. What if our Bible had a screen time? Right? Be wild. Again, this is not in a condemning way. I'm just trying to get us to think. I'm trying to get us to think. We have all these things. What if we had a way of saying, yeah, great. And not in a religious way. I don't want us to think that we're doing this, reading our word, because we have to. We don't usually use our phone because we have to, though. We use our phone because we want to. Because there's something on there that we want to get. So what would the screen time of your Bible be? What would the screen time of, if the Lord said, hey, look, here's your daily average for the week. What would that look like? Again, something you can talk to the Lord about and think about, but it's something that's so important. When we jump all in, our screen time for this should outweigh everything else. And I'm not just talking about reading the Word, but I'm saying spending time with the Father. And that doesn't, again... I also want to remind everyone that doesn't mean that you just have to sit in a quiet, secluded room all by yourself and that's the way that the Lord talks to you. No. So much about it is just being aware of His presence in every situation. When you're going into a work meeting, you're going into a parent-teacher conference, you're going into whatever it may be that you're walking into, are you pausing and going, Lord, what do you have for the situation? How are you using me in this situation? Let the screen time of your time with the Lord out, outweigh everything else. So as I close, I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. So last, the last verse in chapter 58. New Living says... So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. The Amplified says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. We were just in prayer this morning. We're talking about that. Nothing the Lord asks us to do is ever done in vain. It always has a purpose. So tying this back to the first story that I was telling you about our, our time at the cabin, that cold water would always take your breath away. And it's funny, as, as I got older, when I was a kid, the end of the dock, was it seemed like it was super deep. And then as I got older, it was about up to my knees. Um, so it changed, and I think some of that had to do with the lake. But when we jump in fully with the Lord, He takes our breath away, but in a good way. Not in a, oh my gosh, I have to escape. I have to get out of this. But He takes our breath away. Wow, this is incredible. And I always remember, one of the memories that always sticks out of my brain is actually leaving the resort every year. It's always a sad moment for me. My parents, they didn't have a lake home that was their own. 
So this was our getaway in the summer. It was the week that we just were so excited for. And I remember every time we'd pull out in our Dodge Grand Caravan, my parents had that blue caravan with the wood trim. You all know what I'm talking about. And a sliding door that would always fall off for some reason. (laughs) But I was always excited because I knew that the next year I'd get to make more memories. The next year when I came back, maybe I'd learn to water ski better. The next year when I came back, maybe we'd rent a jet skier. There was always this anticipation of the next year. I was sad in the moment, but I was always excited for what was next. So when we jump in with Christ, do you have that same expectation? Do you wake up every single morning and go, God, what are you going to show me today? I can't wait to read your word. I can't wait to spend time with you. I'm expecting you to show me new things about what your plan is for my life. I want, you to, I want to encourage you to do just that. When you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed or whenever you do your time, whenever your time with the Lord is throughout the day, the dedicated time, how are you approaching that? Are you approaching it with an expectation that He is going to show you something new? That you're excited to spend time with your best friend? I don't know about you, but when I spend time with my friends, I get excited about it. I love Sundays. I get to spend time with my friends. Right? Do you have that same excitement when you get to spend time with the Lord? Oh, I get to spend time with you today. I can't wait. And all full vulnerability here. There's some days I have that. And there are some days where I'm like, this is hard. This is hard. I'm tired. The kids were up three times last night. This is hard. But even in those moments, do you say, Lord, I know this is hard, but I'm expecting you to show me something new. He wants to be in every aspect of your life. Not just certain things, everything. And if you let him in, if you fully embrace him, if you fully jump in, don't just dip your toe in. That's when you start to see him moving in all those areas. That's when you start to see him go, Lord, how did you multiply my finances in my bank account? Like, where did that come from? I don't understand. Lord, how did you... Give me these incredible friendships that I've never had, that I've been longing for, because you've given it to him. You've stopped striving on your own to try and make it happen. And you see him start to do things and work for you when you fully give him everything. Amen? Amen. So I just want to encourage you today, don't allow the cares and the worries of this world to slow you down. So the enemy wants. He wants to try and derail you. But if you're so immersed in who Jesus is and you are putting in the time, the enemy can throw whatever he wants at you. And you just laugh at him. <laughs> nice try. Because it doesn't matter. Because you know where your foundation is. You know that no matter what, what he tries to throw at you, that in the end, he loses and you win. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for you and and the love that you have for us. Father, we just want to continue to know you more and more and more and get 
to the depths of your heart more and more. God, I just ask that you continue to reveal yourself to us as we go throughout our, our week, whether that's at our job, whether that's teaching, whether that's with our kids, whatever that may be, Lord, that I just ask that you continue to show us how you are using us to bring forth your plans and purposes for each one of us. God, I just ask that you give us the courage and the strength that when you're calling us into something new, that we're obedient, that we can step into that. Lord, we just ask that everything that happened today is blessed by you. In Jesus' name, amen.